What is going on, guys? We are finally back. It took us a little bit of time, but, uh, you know, we're back from a little bit of a hiatus. You know, life sometimes gets in the way, and uh, we kind of just got a little off track, but we are back now. We have about four weeks to go before the regular season starts on September 8th. We got the uh, the Fantasy Football Expo coming up this weekend, which I will be attending, and Jay will not because he hates fun and has to work and stuff of that nature. But uh, look, football season, it is finally here. In the three weeks that we have been gone, football season has arrived. The Hall of Fame game was last week. The Raiders pummeled the uh, the Jaguars 27 to 11. Josh Jacobs was pumped up, dropped down, and left off a lot of people's top 30 rankings in the process as he is now a prime trade candidate. <laughs> and look, football is is back in the uh, main swing of things and we are ready. So how are you doing tonight, my fellow companion? I'm doing well. I'm, you know, I'm excited. We have a mock draft. We have a, you know, draft room waiting, waiting to get this thing started. We're officially kind of, you know, entering redraft season, entering football season, ultimately. Uh, so, you know, no more weeks without football. It's a Good time to be alive. Good time to, you know, get this draft going. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. Yeah, and uh, look, look, mocks are the pinnacle of the community. Well, at least they used to be. Underdog Fantasy has come along and made mocks very I – don't, I don't know if they're obsolete now, but people definitely do like to mock draft for money when something's – you know, they got something on the line. It makes things a lot more interesting. Speaking of underdog, if you go to underdog – and you deposit at least $10 and use code HFF, you will get a 100% match up to $100 on your first deposit to the site. So make sure you go and do that. You can find uh, either me or our resident best ballaholic, Jay, in the uh, in those streets. As I have been taking a slight break to uh, let my bank account cool down, Jay has gone full throttle and has done probably around 150 drafts at this point. So if you go in there, you'll find him. You probably won't find me at this point because, yeah, I, I just I'm just not that crazy as Jay at this point. But we do have a show planned for you guys tonight. We have a one quarterback redraft mock. Pretty standard stuff. One quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, one flex, and six bench spots. So uh, 14 rounds. Uh, picks will be on a 30-second clock. I'm going to share my screen. we got some of your favorite Twitter fantasy analysts and fans in there. And uh, I think we're ready to uh, get this thing started. So I'm going to go and share my screen real quick. Yeah, it looks like everybody's active in the draft room too. So. Yep. And I am going to go right ahead and get things thing started. We have uh, our good friend Jake Perry at the 101, and let's get this thing going. Nice. The 30 so, second clock is so nice. Yeah, uh, the 30 second clock is <laughs> nice. I did a mock yesterday uh, for uh, a site that I will not say anything about yet, but. Um, that took about an hour to do 16 rounds. So that was really nice. Everything gets done so quickly and you know, you get that, uh, you get satisfied very quickly there. So I went with Justin Jefferson at the one Oh two. Yes. I skipped Jonathan Taylor. No, you cannot hate me for it. Um, it is pretty proven that running backs don't repeat as the one Oh one. So I'm okay. Taking 
the guy who I have is my wide receiver one in Justin Jefferson over Jonathan Taylor. And uh, I don't care what anybody thinks of me about it. See, so the first five picks, and I just rounded it out at five, we had Christian McCaffrey go first, Justin Jefferson two to Sam, Jonathan Taylor third, and Cooper Cup fourth, and I took Jamar Chase at five. Uh, I was, you know, thinking between Jamar Chase and Dalvin Cook, honestly, decided to go receiver to start because I like some of the running backs in the second round. So we'll see which ones are, are still there for my next pick. DeAndre Swift going at 107 and Austin Eckler at 106. So 108's on the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I'm a big Chase guy. I think it's uh, – sorry, I'll turn the audio off. Uh, I'm a big Jamar Chase guy this year. Uh, I've I've come to actually put him in my uh, wide receiver two spot uh, ahead of Cup, just because the floor seems so high and the upside is literally wide receiver one, like on a Cooper Cup like trajectory from last year. Like he's just that good, and the offense is that good. The upside is just sky high. He can really kind of he can really just go up from there. Like uh, you, you can argue that he had a kind of down period in the middle of the season for about five weeks where he didn't score over twelve fantasy points, and I can just see him going right for it. Yeah. I, I really do. I really do think his upside is just so high. Yeah, I'm happy with any of those three with uh, you know Jefferson Cup or, or Chase to start the draft. And like I said, I was between him and Dalvin Cook, but. Uh, I'm hoping some of these running backs are going to come back to me in the second round. And we stopped at uh, 107 where DeAndre Swift went. 108 was Dalvin Cook. 109, Derrick Henry. The 10th pick, Stephon Diggs. Travis Kelsey at 111. And then at the turn, Najee Harris and Joe Mixon. CeeDee Lamb at 202 and 203s on the clock. Let's see here. All right, so 203 took Mr. Aaron Jones himself. Uh, Nick Chubb went at 204 to the auto-drafting George Reed. Uh, 205, Devontae Adams, and 206, Saquon Barkley. Saquon's interesting. Where do you think Saquon's range of outcomes come this year? I was really hoping I was going to get Saquon here in the second Mm -hmm. round. Uh, But I don't think there's really – I mean, I think after like 108, 109, I think it's like you know, anytime after that, taking Saquon, I think is perfectly fine. I think there's a argument to be made for him going ahead of a lot of these running backs that are going ahead of him in ADP right now. I'm on the clock at 208. Uh, I'm going to take a risk here. I'm going to take Alvin Kamara. I like I really, Kamara. I, like I don't think Kamara. he's going to get suspended. And, you know, no. this late, it seems like it just keeps getting pushed back. It's at the 208. Uh, I can, you know, I still have plenty of time to find some insurance in case he does miss some games, but it's just such a value at that point. Yeah. Our Drew Davenport over at football guys is extremely confident that Kamara, uh, suspension possible will get pushed back until at least 2023. Um, just because, you know, without the video and the trial date keeps getting pushed back. Uh, I just don't think I just don't see anything happening with him. And even if he does get suspended this year, it'll be something very paltry, you know, like two or three games. And that's just not enough for me to knock Kamara down my rankings. And you're on the clock right now. I am. And so, oh, go ahead. I am going to take AJ Brown and uh, 
you know, obviously my, I don't need to, you know, start my infatuation with AJ Brown. Uh, you know, obviously the Eagles are going to pass more. I have them projected for about 550 uh, passing attempts this year. That's more than enough for all three of AJ Brown, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard to eat. Uh, but I don't even think, I don't even think AJ Brown needs that many. And uh, somehow there's a three round reversal in here that I did not realize was on. Um, I'm not sure when that happened, but I guess we're rolling <laughs> with that. Um, anyways, good for Optimus Hine there at the, uh, the one twelve who, uh, you know, must've seen that one coming because I sure didn't. <laughs> I wonder if anyways. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> that Eagles offense, that Eagles offense has the potential to do something special this, uh, this, this, this season. So. And Tyree Kill goes at the 304. So let's see. We had a runner receivers with uh from the 209 to the end of the second round, Debo Samuel, Mike Evans, AJ Brown, T. Higgins. And uh after that, you know, we got Kyle Pitts being the third tight end off the board after Kelsey Andrews Pitts and Leonard Fournette and Javante Williams. I feel like, yeah, maybe people are a little spooked with the with the third round reversal, but oh, never mind. He says he saw it on purpose, so here we go. Michael Pittman going next, and I'm on the clock at this next pick at 3.08. <laughs> well, in any ways. Ezekiel Elliott <laughs> at the 3.7. I'm trying to figure out where to rank Zeke this year. Uh, right now on Football Guys, I have him ranked as my RB16. I think that's a really good spot for him, but I could see him being an RB1 again. Like, that would not at all shock me. I mean, he's in the last year of that god-awful contract. Jerry cares more about looking like he's right than winning. Like, I could easily see Zeke putting up another top 12 season just because of volume. Tony Pollard be damned. Uh, you know, let it be known that I am not a Tony Pollard fan. Uh, I just don't think he's that great. I And I do still think Zeke has some juice in him. I mean, he pretty much put up a uh, RB1 season on the Torn PCL last year. So um, let's, let's see here. Got some, still got some good players in there. We still have not seen a quarterback go off the board yet, but Cortland Sutton did ju just go off the board. What's your take on the wide receiver situation in Denver with uh, Tim Patrick now out for the season with the torn ACL? I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily think it changes that much for Cortland Sutton. I think Cortland Sutton going where he was already being drafted makes sense. Um, I think he's should be drafted kind of as, you know, high wide receiver too with range of outcomes being, you know, super high. He could be a, you know, top seven, top eight guy know if that offense really hits i you know i like where jerry judy's going too i don't know that it necessarily changes much for either of them i feel a little bit more comfortable taking jerry judy to be honest because i just feel like it's one less you know person there to compete for for targets and mm -hmm. i think there was going to be times that it would be Cortland sutton and tim patrick on the field and jerry judy could be the, the odd man out in those situations but now I think it's an upgrade for Jerry Judy. I don't know necessarily that it moves much for Cortland Sutton for me. And interesting for KJ Hamler, you know, if he's able to go at, at full speed. Yeah, I I want to uh I want to curse Jake Perry's life out of existence right now for taking Priest Hall when uh I did not take him on and uh 
That was that was not nice, Jake. That was not nice. So, but uh, I took Cam Akers at the uh, the four hundred two and Mike Williams at the three three uh, three eleven. Um, look, I've been very vocal about how high I am on Mike Williams this year and the Chargers offense as a whole. I do believe both he and Keenan Allen should be looked at as top fifteen options equally. Um, I think Keenan has a higher floor and thus that's why I have him ranked higher. I have Keenan ranked wide receiver seven and I have Mike Williams ranked wide receiver, uh, 12. So, you know, both of those guys are extremely solid and, you know, that Chargers offense should be, you know, borderline elite for fantasy. I think everybody eats in that office. Herbert eats, Eckler eats, Isaiah Spiller eats, um, you can even you can even think of a scenario where Josh Palmer eats as well. So all those guys there are going to be great. Uh, Cam Akers just makes sense. Um, you know the reports are that he's been good in camp so far. Uh, you do have to worry about what Sean McVay wants to do with his offense. He has relied on a pretty uh, workhorse, um, you know, running back room in the past, but. Uh, he does say he likes Dar- Daryl Henderson a lot, but I do think Akers still sees the lion's share of the carries, and I do think he gets worked in in the receiving game enough. And uh, this is pretty much one of the earliest spots that I'm I'm good to look at Akers, and he's ranked right after Brees for me. So, yeah, I, I like Akers there. Honestly, I mean, I, I I like Akers more than any of the other running backs that. Mm-hmm. are on the board so i think it was good value to get him and i agree i mean i, I sean mcveigh is talking about you know the two running back thing and you know it's just coach speak kind of we're like kind of trying to read through the words of what he's saying and he has two guys and all of that but i think cam makers is the better guy i think that a lot of us feel that way um mm-hmm. and daryl henderson's good but you know i don't necessarily think that um they can't both be somewhat productive and i think cam makers is just going to be the guy who's getting a little bit more work is more talented. So I think Daryl Henderson could still have a role, but in the Rams offense, they should both be able to have a role and be productive. So I'm yep. taking Cam Akers where you took him, and I think it's perfectly fine. Yep, totally, totally get that. And then uh, we have some other picks as well. Josh Allen finally went at the 409 to a George Reed, who was still on auto pick out there. Lamar Jackson is the 501 and the QB2. What do you think about that? I know you're a big Lamar fan, but is five is five oh one a little bit too early for him or no? I don't I haven't been taking Lamar as early as there because oh I'm on the clock right now. Just because I like some of these other quarterbacks that are still available that might drop off or that might still be available a little bit later. Um let me look at this pick really quick. <laughs> uh you know, you know what, Craig? The Chargers should be eating because they have to stay they have to stay ready to compete and you know they have to eat and stay hydrated so i hope they're eating personally i i don't know why you wouldn't want them to eat and succeed and you know be full you know they they got to be well fed to be able to uh you know perform at that high athletic level and then Jake said how how you felt about me taking Brees is how I felt about you taking A.J. Brown. Well, it's okay because I would have taken T. Higgins otherwise, but I like A.J. Brown just a little bit more. Um, Let's see here. Let's go into that pick. I'm on the clock, but Rashad Bateman, break him down. Yeah, so I got Rashad Bateman at the 508. Uh, my team so far is three receivers, one running back. I started with Jamar Chase, Kamara, 
DJ Moore, Waddle, and Bateman, which uh, I'm pretty happy with, to, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I feel like ba- getting Bateman in the fifth felt felt really good. I was I would be drafting Bateman over some of these guys that went ahead of him um, in the same tier as you know DK and Mooney and Hollywood, but. I would be taking Bateman over those guys because, like you said, I am a big Lamar Jackson fan. We saw what Hollywood Brown did. Baltimore clearly, I think, with the moves that they made, uh, instilled some confidence that they have in Rashad Bateman. You know, you don't give up Marquise Brown uh, if you're not confident in the next guy coming up and also not really address the room in the way that Baltimore has. And we all think Rashad Bateman's good. You know, he was a good prospect coming in. Hurt a little bit of last year, but looked good when he was playing and I think they're, you know, putting a lot of confidence in him. So if he can get, you know, the same amount of targets, the same amount of work that Marquise Brown did or close to that, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with him. And especially in the fifth round, I think that he's got a much higher ceiling than, you know, where his ADP's at. I like that. Um, you are on the clock again, but meantime, uh, I saw you laugh. I know it was because I took Jalen hurts. Um, you know, for me, Clear, easy pick there for me to take him at the uh, the QB4. I have him ranked QB3. I swap him back and forth with Lamar when I'm having a bad day. But, uh, you know, look, Jalen Hurts has QB1 overall in his range of outcomes. And it's it's not like it's not like a lot has to happen for him to get there. You know, he had the most QB1 uh, weeks last year with 12 to start the year. And, you know, he finished QB nine at the uh, at the end of the at the end of the season. You know, he obviously got the massive upgrade with A.J. Brown. You add to the offensive line, uh, you keep everything going and it all adds up to, you know, pretty much a season where he should be inside the top five. And he definitely has uh, QB one overall. He just needs to have some of those ceiling spike games. So. You know, with Hertz, you're betting on the talent around him to help propel him and that he that he improves enough as a passer to get to that point. And then after that, taking Eli Mitchell at 602, uh, all reports out of 49ers camp are that Eli Mitchell is the starter. He's the workhorse back. Uh, they may mix in, you know, Tyrion Davis-Price and Jeff Wilson from time to time, but Mitchell's the guy, and Trey Lance may steal some carries. That definitely worries me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm still debating on really how, you know, how to attack that. Uh, the 49ers offense has been something I'm kind of staying away from outside of Mitchell, just, just because the running game is always so efficient that it seems, you know, that you always want to have whoever the 49ers starting running back is going to be. So Mitchell seems like a guy to really attack in that dead zone of running backs. And, he, you know, I kind of got him a little bit outside that dead zone since it's usually round four to five. But, you know, 602 is, is a nice place for him to go. And, you know, he went as the uh, the RB19 in this. So let's, let's take a look at some of the other picks while you look at the clock. Um, you know, Godwin went off at the 610. Drake London at the 611, uh, Elijah Moore at the 612, Traylon Burks at 701, Alan Lazard at 702. A uh, bunch of young guys there. Uh, I like that, you know, that little turn there. That's a good spot to get those guys. And then you have some of the, the more grizzled veterans and Amari Cooper and Adam Thielen at 704 and 705, Gabe Davis at 706. Joe Burrow at 707 and you took Trey Lance at 708. So walk us through what you think about Trey Lance for this season. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for Trey Lance. As, as you know, you know, we've talked about it uh, pretty frequently. I've been excited for Trey Lance. And I think that, you know, everybody making the comparison, it's not, you know, new. But, you know, what we saw Jalen Hurts do last year and the floor that Jalen Hurts had being able to have the rushing ability that he has. And, you know, the only thing that anybody seems to doubt about Trey Lance is, you know, his ability as a passer, is he accurate, those sort of things. And it's, I mean, aren't those similar things that we doubt about Jalen Hurts? And we both love Jalen, you know, we're both Eagles fans, we're both Jalen Hurts fans. He needs to improve, you know, as a passer. I think we can all agree on that. Trey Lance does too, but as a fantasy quarterback with his rushing ability, you know, I saw some report today from uh, the 32 beat writers account, Trey Lance like broke off for a 65 yard rushing touchdown. <laughs> and, you know, there's only a few guys in the league that can do that sort of thing. And, you know, Trey Lance is, is one of them and he's in a good system and even comparing him to a Jalen Hurts and what Jalen Hurts had last year, Trey Lance is a lot better situation than Jalen Hurts did last year, you know, in terms of talent around him. So I think he steps into a situation with the floor being pretty safe and the ceiling being extremely high, you know, based mm-hmm. on what he can do and based on the surrounding cast. I'm trying to, I'm really trying to get into the 49ers passing offense. I'm just so apprehensive of, you know, how Trey Lance looks as a passer during games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've come around to taking him. I can't come around to taking the pass casters just yet, just because you don't know how it's going to shake out. Uh, you know, Debo is very reliant on efficiency and all Jimmy, all Jimmy Garoppolo liked to do at last year was throw those quick slants to Debo and let him absolutely take off and work the, work the field, you know, for those yards after the catch that that's what Debo did. Ayuk was in the doghouse half the year and looked pretty good for the rest of it. And then Kittle is just, you know, 65% of the time he's blocking. So, you know, how can you tr- how can you trust Kittle, you know, in in a season long format when he's walking 60 over 60% of the time and it just doesn't add up to something that I'm comfortable with in their passing game, but uh look, one of my favorite guys on Twitter, Josh Larkey, uh basically said, well, not basically, this is literally what he said, if your favorite fantasy analyst has Trey Lance outside of their top 8 fantasy rankings, you need to find a new fantasy analyst and I'm <laughs> slowly coming around to that point of view just because you know the look we did it last year with Jalen Hurts yeah and it's a little (laughs) hypocritical it's a little hypocritical if you're in on if you were in on Jalen Hurts last year like I was and you're out on Trey Lance this year like I have been and uh I see that you know you're you know looking at two guys who are both considered to not be accurate um but in the case of Trey Lance has a cannon for an arm where Jalen Hurts does not and both could use their legs extremely, extremely frequently. So you definitely have to weigh that into perspective and, you know, wait, look at the offense. The offense is a massively efficient offense. You know, so I've come around to it. Yeah, you know whose team I really like right now in this draft and I might be Mine? up on the clock. Uh, <laughs> aside from yours, um, this, uh, I don't know how I would pronounce it, but Y-Turfe, uh, Y-T-U-R-F. Mm-hmm. F.E., uh, you know, started off with DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley from the 107, which is an awesome start. That's, you know, that's awesome. Then he just stacked wide receivers. You know, Michael Pittman, Allen Robinson, Amon Ra, Hopkins, Gabriel Davis, Kadarius Toney, Christian Kirk. I mean, he's got a loaded receiver group, guys with a ton of upside. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, 
going to be suspended the first six games. This guy's got like six other wide receivers that I wouldn't mind playing on a week-to-week basis. So I really like how his teams come together. Yeah, I do. I was looking at that as well. I do like that. Um, you know, and he again, one quarterback mock. You're not you're not missing much if you don't have a uh, a QB at this point. And again, there's still some tight ends on the board as well. So I like what he's done. Um, Craig asked where the defensive players to draft. <clears throat> you know what? I think we found our next redraft mock idea for the next show. Jay, we're going to add it. We can add in IDP. A, an IDP twist with a couple IDP guys to satisfy Craig since he's one of the only people I know that actually likes to see IDP players and doesn't just tolerate them. You know, so um, for me, and I'm almost on auto pick down here, I will go rush and take. Okay. Ah, damn it. I didn't see him. Okay. I didn't see Damian Pierce down there, and I. I was going to take Pierce, but I took... your whole, your whole brand just went down the drain with that pick. No, my, my, my <laughs> brand is intact. My brand is intact. I'm a, I'm a Spiller fan. I'm a Spiller fan. And if Jake's not listening, if Jake's not listening, you might then grab him right will, here. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. I did that in the Scott Fishbowl. Actually, I did the opposite way, but I did Damian Pierce and Isaiah Spiller. So, you know, I'm rooting for both of them as well. Yep. Oh, there you and go. he didn't. So I will go and take Damian Pierce. Brand uh, look, back intact. Yeah. Brand is intact. I'm loving my draft so far, but I don't have to say too much about these two picks. I've said a lot on previous shows what I think of these two rookie running backs. They were two. Uh, Spiller was not someone I was high on coming in, but I absolutely loved the uh, the spot where he landed with the Chargers. Uh, obviously, Austin Eckler has been looking for someone to take some of the load off him. Josh Kelly and Ra- La- Larry Roundtree are not it. Sp- Spiller can be it. And then as far as Pierce, all the reports out of Texans training camp right now are that Pierce looks like by far the most explosive back there, and he should gain the handle on the lead job going into the season. So, uh, you know, Damian Pierce, one of my favorite guys in this draft class, uh, the Texans spot, I loved it for fantasy, and I think it's going to pay off here. And I'm having, you know, a quietly a pretty solid draft for myself, I think. You took uh, Corderell Patterson, and you're a lot higher on Corderell Patterson than I am. But break down why you think Corderell Patterson can repeat his production from last season. I don't know that he can repeat his production from last season, but I was looking at the running backs here. I think that he was one of the more appealing options for me. There's a couple guys uh, with a little bit lower ADP that I think I can grab. Uh, I looked at the receivers, you know. I have a pretty strong receiver group thus far. You know, I, I went receiver early uh, with four of the first five picks. So I think I can still fill in some receivers later. I just think Cordero Patterson's got upside. You know, I don't know if he can do exactly what he did last year, but we saw him do it and they didn't do that much to change the situation. You know, they don't have that much around him. I kind of like Tyler Algier. I have him in a couple dynasty leagues. I would like to see that happen, but I don't know that, you know, he necessarily – having a good role in the offense this year stops Cordero Patterson from being involved. He's such a, you know, Swiss army knife that they can involve him in so many different ways. Uh, and they still don't really have that, that much target competition for him. So I'm willing to take the risk here. He's my RB four. Um, I went wide receiver early, like I said, but coming out with Alvin Kamara, uh, Clyde Edwards, Chase Edmonds and Cordero Patterson. And, and Clyde's another one for me, you know, I, 
I, I like Isaiah Pacheco. I, I hope that he uh, works out as well. But right now, I think Clyde's a great value. Uh, just to kind of take that risk if you have, you know, other parts of your team that you think are strong. So I am on the clock right now and let's see. And we'll break down some of these last picks as well. Uh, After you, Naeem Hines went off the board at 10.06, Tyler Algier at the 10.07. George Pickens, one of my favorite rookies at the 10.08, Tom Brady, 10.09, Michael Gallup, 10.10, Kenny Gamewell, 10.11, uh, you know, Gamewell is a massive breakout winning to happen this year. Jarvis Landry at the 10-12, Irv Smith at 11-01, Jalen Tolbert 11-02, Russell Gage 11-03, Dawson Knox 11-04, Rondale Moore 11-05, Michael Carter 11-06, and Jacoby Myers 11-07. I mean, th- there's some nice picks that are available in this 9 10 11 range and that's not something we've seen in some of the recent years but i do think that there are a little bit more of depth to this wide receiver group than we've seen in some of the past years you know guys like gage have sprouted up we have a lot of deeper rookies who are are going to play some pretty solid roles early on in the season due to injuries uh, you know, some older guys coming back from injuries, guys like Devontae Parker and DJ Chark and Julio Jones that will see roles that they might not have seen last year, um, you know, due to performance or injury. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting names in this nine to twelve range. And as I look, yeah, it's been a huge receiver run. Right now, mm-hmm. there's been seven receivers in a row. We'll see if you keep the trend going and you don't. You take Gerald Henderson, the uh, – I don't even know if I want to call him a handcuff, but, you know, the other Los Angeles running back, uh, you know, to pair with Cam Akers, So, Yeah, and I don't view Daryl Henderson as a handcuff. Um, I think they're, what, the trend that I see in the NFL that's going to come along and has been coming along for a little, little while is that – teams will run two running backs out there at the same time. They'll run one at the slot and they'll run one in the backfield. And it's completely fine because they're typically there's enough offense to go around that both can maintain an actual role. So I view Henderson as a guy who can play alongside acres. And honestly, you know, you have the, you know, the recovered Achilles for acres is in my, is in my back of my head. And Henderson is there because I know he can get the bell cow role if Akers goes down. But I love both of them and can play them side by side in some weeks. Uh, Kyle Logan asked why people are so low on Penny. Um, In my opinion, people are so low on Penny because he has no record of health staying, you know, longer than a few weeks. That six game run last year was pretty much out of the norm from what we've seen from Penny over the last four and a half years. And people don't think he'll do it again. Them drafting Kenneth Walker is more about insurance for Penny than anything, you know, given the fact that he's been injured every single season so far, they have to have some insurance. since it's the last year of his contract. But what do you think about Rashad Penny? Well, you know, I disagree. <laughs> I think that I think Rashad Penny's good. I, I don't, you know, doubt that you know everyone's saying, you know, what we saw at the end of last season. It was great. He looked really good. Now that he's healthy, you know, it was great to see. And clearly he, you know, performed at a high level. 
But then they went and drafted Kenneth Walker in the second round. And I think Kenneth Walker is also a very good running back. And I think that he's, you know, able to do a lot of the things that Rashad Penny can do. We don't really, you know, we haven't seen a lot of Rashad Penny uh, like you referenced. So I'm interested to see how they're going to split it up. But I do think it's going to be pretty fairly split between the two. And they're not going to be a great offense. So not that high on either of them. But I almost feel more comfortable taking Kenneth Walker than Rashad Penny. I I just kind of feel like by the end of the year, Kenneth Walker is going to have a bigger role. And I know you disagree with me, but I, I think I think Kenneth Walker is just a better player than Rashad Penny. Both good. I just, I don't know. They just picked him in the second round. Yeah. And, you know, look, uh, Twitter went nuts when there was a video of Kenneth Walker catching a routine ball for a touchdown at training camp last week. Uh, you know, people were saying, oh, my God, he can catch. Well, we know he can catch, but he just didn't do it at Michigan State. And honestly, the Seahawks don't throw to their running backs either. And I just see this being more of a uh, a, a timeshare, but one that Penny sees the, the bigger share of carries in. And the reason I think that is because they wouldn't have resigned him if there wasn't a plan. I think their plan all along was to take another running back in the draft and prepare for life after Penny. I do think that Penny is absolutely gone from Seattle after this season. And I think that, you know, they want Kenneth Walker to be their future, but Penny is their current and their present. And I think that Penny will get, basically ran into the ground this season. And I just don't know if um, I don't know if Walker sees enough work to really be relevant this year. I do think Walker is a pure bet for the future for the Seahawks. They are absolutely not going to compete at all. Not for the division, not for a wild card spot, nothing. They are a prime candidate to go three and 14 this year. So why would they take their running back? who they just drafted in the second round and potentially expose him to injury. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And uh, they, they re-signed Penny for a significant amount of money for a running back. Six million is significant when you look at it. And I do think that Penny does get a healthy amount of carries. And I think he gets targets as well because his receiving target share, even though it's low, was better than Walker's, who was – significantly low so um well they look, went close I, to each other they went three picks apart so yeah you know i i just think that i just think all right so right as the the recording stops here um my computer just decided to shut off and we lost the stream and we lost the entire feed so i apologize for that I wanted to create this outro just because I felt I owed it to our listening audience. Uh, I really wanted to thank everyone for tuning in to this draft. This mock draft was absolutely a blast. Had a bunch of fun breaking down strategies, breaking down everything, um, how we thought you know picks were going along. Uh, we didn't really get into it that much but I wanted to break down some rankings as well. And we will look to do that on some future shows, but Jay and I thank you guys so much 
for tuning in. I wanted to thank all our brilliant Twitter fanalists for coming in and mock drafting with us. Uh, you guys were a blast. And we will be back hopefully next week to kind of break down some more redraft strategies for this upcoming season. And uh, no word on whether we're doing another mock yet or breaking down some rankings. But I do think we'll have a little bit of everything just to try and get you ready for your redrafts that are got to be coming up soon. So uh, for this episode of High Floor Football, my name is Sam Wagman. I wanted to thank you guys again for coming in to spend your time on a Tuesday night with us. And we will see you guys on the flip side next week. Have a great night.